Good morning, church family, and welcome to our live virtual worship experience here at New Morning Light Baptist Church. You could have been doing anything else. You could have been anywhere else, but we thank you for this Sunday morning and on this Sunday morning that you tuned in to take time to focus on the Word of God. Amen. I am the pastor here at New Morning Light Baptist Church, and I want to formally welcome you to our virtual worship experience. We thank you for taking your time, and we thank you for being diligent readers and listeners of the Word. But nonetheless, there is a word from the Lord this Sunday morning, and before I jump right into the Word, what I want to do is acknowledge some of the things that have happened recently in the life of our church. I would be remiss if I did not acknowledge uh, on today, the passing of one of our good soldiers, the passing of one of our foundational corner piece members, and that's Deacon and Elder Robert Lee. And I just wanted to be sure to acknowledge that and take this time to say thank you. We thank you for his service. We thank you for his memory. And I just want all of us that are members of New Morning Light and those that are watching that just have a heart to pray for Robert Lee's family, his children, his grandchildren, and all of those that are mourning the loss at this time. This is a shared burden that all of us are feeling. This is a shared burden in which all of us have felt in all of our interactions that we've had with Elder and Deacon Robert Lee. So I just want to take a moment of silence to show homage to his memory. Amen. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you so much for having this time that we can come into your sanctuary, whether it's virtual at home or whether it's inside the actual sanctuary. And we can uplift your name. We can give praises to you through not only our attentiveness to the word, but also our reading, also our studying, and also us trying to be in right relationship with you by taking some time out of our week to study what your promises are. Father God, I pray that anybody that, come to this, that comes to this channel, whether they're watching on Facebook, YouTube, or Instagram, any of our social media platforms that we have, that anything that would try to distract them, you would remove it from their spirit. Anything that would try to cause them or apprehend them from having an encounter with you, you would remove it. So that in this moment, they can hear a word from you and be convicted by that word to do something different that they've never done in their lives before. Have a more intentional relationship with you and see your grace and mercy working throughout their lives from day to day. Lord, we thank you for your grace. We thank you for this mercy. We thank you for your love and we thank you for your omnipotence, omniscience, and everything that you do for us, seen and unseen. Lord, we pray that you would continue to watch over us. We pray that you would continue to grant us peace and we pray that you would continue to reveal to us the purpose you have for us here on this earth. In your son Jesus' name, I pray we pray. Amen. Amen. All right. Brothers and sisters, I want to continue the theme that was brought to us last Sunday from Minister Troy Shaw. He did a phenomenal job preaching about peace. So this Sunday, I'm also preaching about peace, and I want to continue in that vein of peace on this Sunday. Last Sunday, he preached on the condition of peace. Amen. But this time, I will be preaching on perfect peace. All right. 
and how to stay in perfect peace, how to maintain perfect peace. It's very hard during this day and age to have peace with all these external factors we face from day to day. But nonetheless, we can find solace and peace in our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. Amen. So therefore, brothers and sisters, today's lesson will be about perfect peace. Somebody say perfect peace. Amen. If you are at home and you're on your social media site or if you're on Facebook, hit the like button or type that onto the screen. Perfect peace. Amen. What we have today is our scripture reading coming from John 14, verse 27. Once again, that's John 14, verse 27. And the Bible says, peace I leave with you. My peace I give you. I do not give to you as the world gives. I do, and it says, do not let your hearts be troubled and do not be afraid. Now, you know, I have to read this in true New Morning Light fashion where we do our little call and response. So I'm going to read a little bit and ask you some of what it says just to make sure the seeds of the text are planted in your spirit. Amen. Here we go. Watch this. The text says, peace I leave with you. It says, what does it leave? Peace. Amen. It says, my peace I give you. What does he give? Peace. It says, I do not give to you as the world gives. Not as who gives? As the world gives. Do not let your hearts be troubled and do not be a what? Afraid. Brothers and sisters, we've, see, we've received our instruction from our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. And this is Jesus talking in the text here. But nonetheless, Jesus is talking and teaching us about peace. You see, peace is something very interesting because it's something that people go their whole lives sometimes and don't find. There's so many things that can disrupt your peace. There's so many things that can disturb your peace. You can be driving down the road and somebody cuts you off. And somebody trying to steal your peace. You, you can be walking somewhere and someone bumps into you and not say excuse me. And that can disrupt your peace. Let me tell you what happened this morning to me. I was coming into church. As you all know, today is communion Sunday. And I had my little jar. It was a glass jar of communion so I could have the proper grape juice and the wine. Uh, well, not the wine, but just the grape juice for communion. And as I was opening the door... It slipped out of my hand and burst on the ground, and it got over, all over my suit. And brothers and sisters, although you can see the top half, the bottom half has some grape juice on it, but nonetheless, I didn't let that take my peace. Amen. 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 Brothers and sisters, I told you that peace is an elusive concept. Some of us never fully experience you see, some of us that have been living for a long time will realize that if you thought peace would come from your success, you were wrong. Right. If you thought you would find peace in having a good job, you were wrong. If maybe you thought you would have all the peace you needed by getting married, finding peace in another person, guess what? You were wrong. wrong. Some people think they can find that peace in their family, but even the family can bring them down. Sometimes people find peace or think they can find peace in finances and in their income. But guess what? That's wrong. 
Brothers and sisters, the true source of peace comes from the Holy Spirit. You see, you can spend your entire life trying to define success and be stressed out by its ever-changing definition. You can work a job you despise with people that despise you. So that shows you the job isn't going to bring you peace. You can be in a marriage that lacks trust and communication, a relationship that lacks trust and communication and not be at peace. You can be a part of a family that's jealous and unsupportive and not have peace. Your finances can change like the weather and you can lose peace. Brothers and sisters, the only person that can help you maintain peace through all of this is the Holy Spirit. You see, if you don't know what peace is, peace is defined by a mutual state of harmony. Peace, peace is defined by completeness. Some religions call it nirvana, right? Peace is supposed to be known as being void of chaos and violence. Brothers and sisters, we have to do all we can to protect our peace. I was counseling somebody this week, and I was telling them that you have to fight to maintain peace. That peace doesn't come easily. Peace just doesn't come naturally. You have to be intentional about finding peace. Amen? Amen. I told her that, and she was like, I, I don't know if I like that. I don't know if I like the way that sounds. You have to fight to maintain peace? And I say, yes, you have to fight to maintain peace from day to day because, brothers and sisters, if you haven't noticed, there's a war on your personal peace. I'll say that again. I said there is a war on your personal peace. Some of you all know what I'm talking about. If it's not your job, it's your car. If it's not your car, it's your house. If it's not your house, it's your household and your family. If it's not your family, it's your health that's going down. If it's not your health that's going down, it's your finances that's changing. If it's not your finances, it's your faith itself that is struggling. Amen. Brothers and sisters, there is a war on your personal peace yes. from day to day. Yes. Even... As you go down the street and you see advertisements or you turn on the TV or whether it's in your phone, there's a war on your peace because there's always some sort of advertisement telling you you need more, Amen. telling you what you have isn't enough. There's always something newer than what you have, something telling you that your life could be better if you had this. There is a war on peace in what you see. Brothers and sisters, even when it comes to our phones, if your phone's not constantly ringing, it's vibrating from a text message. If it's not vibrating from a text message, it's vibrating from an email. If it's not vibrating from an email, it's a notification about what's going on in the news. And then you'll get a notification that your phone is about to die because it can't even maintain peace. Brothers and sisters, it's a war on peace. You see... If you turn on the news, you realize that even what you see there seems to be a war on peace. Whether it's crime rampant in the city of Atlanta or it's crime in all of the places in the suburbs in which you live, you, you, you realize it's a war on peace because as soon as you turn on the news, you're hearing about deaths from COVID-19. If it's not about the deaths from COVID-19, it's a new variant of COVID-19, 
If it's not a new variant of COVID-19, it's protesters protesting because they don't want to wear a mask because of COVID-19, because they don't want anybody infringing on their rights. If it's not about that, then it's something about a new shot that we need to take to present to prevent us from contracting a new virus of COVID-19. Brothers and sisters, it's like we're just not at peace. Seems like you can't find it anywhere. That's why the psalmist says in Psalm 51, verse 10 and 11, Create in me, O Lord, a clean heart, a renewed spirit within me. Cast me not away from thine presence and take not thine Holy Spirit from me. Brothers and sisters, I don't know if you caught it yet. I don't know if you got it yet, but, but, but what I'm trying to get you to understand is the Holy Spirit is the source of peace. You see, we should all have peace because the Spirit of God resides in each and every one of us. You see, if you are struggling with peace, instead of searching for external gratification, you must connect with the internal God of peace that resides in you. Amen. Just for y'all that might have just tuned in or went to the bathroom or dozed off for a second. I said, if you are struggling with peace, instead of searching for external gratification, instead of searching for things outside of you, you must connect with the internal God of peace that resides inside of you. So that leads me to the question, are you at peace? Do you have peace of mind? Is your soul at peace? And brothers and sisters, if not, and if you don't have that peace that you think you should have, what I charge you with is understanding that internal peace is not contingent upon external factors. I don't want us to miss that. I said internal peace should not be contingent upon external factors. That's why we say here at New Morning Light Baptist Church, come on, somebody say it with me. The joy I had, the world didn't give it to me. Watch this. You can change that to the peace I have. The world didn't give it to me. And guess what? The world shouldn't be able to take it away. But you can be thankful, amen, for what God has done, what God is doing, and what God will do. You see, your peace can't be contingent upon what's going on around you. It has to be mustered from something inside you, that Holy Spirit that you can connect with, brothers and sisters. Peace should not be contingent upon somebody else. shouldn't be contingent upon what you have. It should be contingent upon your connection to a God that neither slumbers nor sleeps. Amen? Amen. Many of you all know that I am in the military. I'm in the National Guard, and Sister Goodlett knows that the military is one of the world's, the U.S. military is one of the world's strongest fighting forces. And brothers and sisters, what we learn and what I'm reminded of every time we go out into the field are the three enemies. I know I've told you this before, but I'm going to keep telling you this because this is something that if you forget it, you need to make sure you don't forget. There are three enemies that you're constantly fighting in battle. These three enemies are the external factors. It's two external and it's one internal. Watch this. 
The external factor, the first one, is the enemy himself, right? He has his plots and schemes. She has her plots and schemes to try to overtake you, to try to overthrow you with guns, with bombs, and all types of things of that nature. But you also have the elements. You also have your environment. It may be cold. It may be a rough terrain. It may be animals or predators all around that can attack you. You, you have two external factors. But brothers and sisters, one of the most cunning enemies that most of us lose sight of is the internal enemy. I know you may be thinking, Pastor, well, I, I, I hadn't heard of that one. I'm, I'm talking about the internal enemy of the mind. The internal enemy that whispers in your thoughts and tells you you're not good enough, tells you you shouldn't do this, tells you you shouldn't do that. The internal enemy that allows the external factors to influence your self-esteem, to influence your mindset, to influence your actions from day to day. Brothers and sisters, there are three enemies. What's very interesting is we have to take an oath before we become soldiers. And one line of the oath that we take, it says that we must protect against threats both foreign and domestic. That means we must protect against the foreigner from other countries that might try to come and invade our land. But also, if there are threats internally in our land, we have to protect against those things too. And brothers and sisters, sometimes as an individual, you have to fight against threats in your personal life, both foreign and domestic. Brothers and sisters, a foreign threat in your personal life, but when things go wrong outside of you, when things go wrong externally, when you're having issues in your marriage, when you're having issues with your job, when you're having issues with your house, when you're having issues with your health, these are foreign threats because they are external, brothers and sisters. But that domestic threat is the domestic threat of the mind. Therefore, you not only have to protect yourself from the things that happen outside of you, but you have to watch the thoughts that are permeating your mind inside of you because, brothers and sisters, the mind is so powerful that the enemy of the mind can have you resenting God instead of believing in God. Hmm? I said the enemy of the mind can have you resenting God for your circumstance, can have you resenting God for all the weight that's on your shoulders, can have you resenting God for all the things that you've experienced coming up in your life and in your childhood instead of noticing and looking at how God has kept you, looking at how God has saved you, looking at how God is protecting you. Brothers and sisters, you have to watch not only against the foreign threats, but the domestic threat of the mind. But brothers and sisters, I came to preach to you from the Gospel of John. And anybody that's been a longtime member of New Morning Light Baptist Church, I always ask, what is a gospel? And most of you all can tell me, and if you don't know, when you're watching, a gospel means good news. And there's a good news gospel in the text today in the book of John. And brothers and sisters, I'm going to give you a spoiler alert. Most times when pastors write sermons, they like to get to the conclusion to wrap it all up. But I'm going to tell you right now, the gospel good news is that Jesus left his Holy Spirit to keep us in perfect peace. 
The gospel good news is that John 14, 27 says, peace I leave with you. Peace I give you. I do not give to you as the world gives. Do not let your hearts be troubled and do not be afraid. See, that's the gospel good news right there, because what Jesus is doing is talking to his disciples and letting them know, I've given you a piece of Jesus peace. Come on, somebody. Somebody say Jesus peace. No, this is not your mama's peace. This is not your daddy's peace. This is not your brother's or your sister's, your auntie or your uncle's peace. This is Jesus peace. Amen. The reason why Jesus' peace is so significant because Jesus has a special type of peace about him. Jesus has a special type of swag about him. Jesus has a special way of not letting things bother him. Jesus' peace is a peace we all need to connect with. Jesus' peace is a peace we all need to ask God for. Brothers and sisters, I implore you to get some Jesus' peace. I know what you're thinking. Pastor, what is this Jesus peace? Pastor, what is the significance of having Jesus peace? Well, I'm glad you asked, Deacon Parker. Jesus peace is a peace that if you understand it, you'll understand that Jesus comes from the margins of the ghettos of society from a town called Nazareth. This is the same town when Nathaniel, one of the disciples who Jesus called, when he found out where Jesus was from, he said, can anything good come from Nazareth? He said, can anything good come from Bankhead? Can anything good come from Conley? Can anything good come from Clayton County? Can anything good come from this area? Who is this? Jesus. You, you, you see, the reason you need Jesus' peace, because he didn't come from the upper echelon of society. He came from the ghetto. He came from the muck and mire clay. And not only did he come from that part of society, Jesus was born to the Virgin Mary. Jesus was born to the Virgin Mary. And when he was born to the Virgin Mary, guess what? Jesus' stepfather I should say, maybe I shouldn't even call them that. Mary's husband, Joseph, was going to quietly divorce her Amen. because she was pregnant, not by him. Amen. So the reason Jesus' peace is so essential here in the text, brothers and sisters, because Jesus had to endure ridicule, ridicule of people saying, isn't this Mary's son? Because it sure enough isn't Joseph's son. Isn't this Mary's son? Because we know Joseph didn't have a baby with it. Isn't this Mary's son? Jesus had a certain peace where he didn't let where he came from bother him, and he didn't let what people said bother him. I'm, I'm trying to get you to understand this Jesus peace. Brothers and sisters, Jesus, at 12 years old, leaves his parents, goes and stays in the temple and is questioning the high priest. He's questioning all the people in there. And, and when his parents realize he's not with them, they go back. And they find out he's in the temple and they ask, why, why did you leave us? Why, why, why did you make us feel this way? And Jesus has a certain boldness where he says, I must be about my father's business. Brothers and sisters, this Jesus peace gives you a boldness. This Jesus peace allows you to stand up in front of anybody, anywhere, and declare that you are somebody because you know whose you are yes. and who you are. Yes. 
Brothers and sisters, we need a portion of Jesus' peace because here in the text, this is right after Jesus has eaten with the twelve, according to John's gospel. And he's eaten with the twelve, and he knows Judas is going to betray him. And he goes through the whole dinner knowing Judas is going to betray him and even calls him out. But instead of being petty, instead of being upset, Jesus has a certain peace where he understands that what he's doing to betray him is a part of God's plan. And brothers and sisters, you need to ask for Jesus' peace when you're discouraged about where you come from. You need to ask for Jesus' peace when you're discouraged about your family and home situation. You need to ask for Jesus' peace when you need to stand up with a certain boldness about you. You need to ask for Jesus' peace when people betray you and try to talk about you. You need to ask for Jesus' peace and not anybody else's peace. Brothers and sisters, this Jesus' peace is what allows us to be able to be in a state of peace no matter what happens around us. You see, Jesus' peace is our peace left to us from the Holy Spirit. So when you pray, ask God to pour out a portion of Jesus' peace. When some people pray, they call on the name of Jehovah Shalom. And Shalom means peace. You might want to write that down. You might need to just say that out loud. Lord, give me a portion of this shalom type of peace because what this peace calls for is a peace from God that goes beyond all understanding let me give you the chapter and verse Philippians chapter 4 verse 6 and 8 says don't worry about anything but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving let your requests be made known to God and the peace somebody say peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your heart and your mind in Christ Jesus. That's that Jesus peace. That's that Jehovah Shalom. So when you're struggling with something, when you're frustrated by something, when you feel like your life is in disarray and so many things are coming at you, you can pray and ask that the Holy Spirit grant you peace. But brothers and sisters, in order to add context to the text, I want you to understand that Jesus is speaking to his disciples and he is preparing them for his transition to the Father. In John chapter 14, if you go to the beginning of John chapter 14, it'll give you an understanding of what's going on. And Jesus is telling his disciples in the beginning, starting with verse one, he says, do not let your hearts be troubled. He says, you believe in God, also believe in me. And brothers and sisters, he talks about going to prepare a place for him. He says, in my father's house are many mansions and I go to prepare a place for you. Then Thomas asked him, this is the doubting Thomas that said, I need to see the nail marks in his hand. I need to see the nail marks in his hand, in his side. That, I need to see the pierced wound in his side. This is Thomas. He says, Lord, how can we follow you if we do not know the way? And Jesus replies to him, I am the way, the truth, and the life. Those that want to come through the Father have to come through me. And brothers and sisters, he's letting the disciples know how to find peace. He's letting the disciples know, watch this, that he won't be there with them physically forever. 
And he's telling them, in spite of his physical absence, what he's leaving behind is his Holy Spirit. And brothers and sisters, you should be encouraged from day to day because although Jesus isn't physically here, several thousand years ago, back then, he left his Holy Spirit, which is still prevalent today. Brothers and sisters, we can have this Jesus peace because what he left for us was known as the advocate. Somebody say advocate. If you don't have your pen and paper, this is the point to take notes. Watch this. Brothers and sisters, here in the text is where we find out about the concept of the Holy Spirit. And this aspect of the Holy Spirit is known as the paraclete. Somebody say paraclete. You've been trying to figure out how to spell it. It's P-A-R-A-C-L-E-T-E. That's paraclete. Once again, that's P-A-R-A-C-L-E-T-E, paraclete. Brothers and sisters, you can take this word and show this off to your family and friends so you learn something today at church. This paraclete is known as the advocate or helper. That's the definition of the word paraclete, advocate or helper. This is the Greek word for advocate or helper in the text. To help you understand the word paraclete, the same way you have a paraprofessional that's in the classroom that helps a teacher, is the same way you get the word paraclete, it's the helper from the Holy Spirit in our day-to-day lives. The same way you have a paramedic that helps you when you're sick or, or, or helps you when you get in an accident or something of that nature. We have God that sends his Holy Spirit as a paraclete to help us from day to day. The same way you have a parachute that helps you when you jump out of an airplane or jump off of a cliff. We have the Holy Spirit that catches us and saves us and helps us from day to day. So therefore, paraclete means advocate, means helper. And the text tells us Going back to verse 26, this is before 27, it says, But the Advocate, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, will teach you all the things and will remind you of everything I have said to you. So, brothers and sisters, this shows us that in Scripture, Jesus has left us this promise that we're never alone. Jesus has left us this promise that we have a helper. This is something comforting when you can't rely on mama and daddy. This is something comforting when you can't rely on your sisters or your family members. This is comforting when you can't rely on your finances or your job. You can't rely on your status and all the accolades and success you have. When all of that seems like nothing in the face of your problems, brothers and sisters, you have an advocate. You have the paraclete. You have the Holy Spirit, which is indwelling in you. Therefore, you should never be discouraged because the Holy Spirit resides in you. What's interesting about this, and this isn't even in my sermon. I just got excited to tell you this. I want you to know this. If you go back into the beginning and you go back to Genesis 1 and you go back to Genesis 1 verse 2, you'll remember that the text says in the beginning was the word and the word was God. I'm sorry, that's in John. If you you remember, it says, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. Amen? Amen. And it said the earth was formless and void, right? 
and darkness covered the face of the deep. And while the wind of God swept over the face of the waters, then God said, let there be light. But brothers and sisters, before God called light into the world, guess who was there hovering over the waters? Guess who was there hovering in between the darkness? It was the spirit of God. Some translations call it the wind of God, that, that, that spirit of God, that wind of God in the Hebrew translation is known as the Rauk. And brothers and sisters, what's ironic about this Rauk is that it's the same Rauk or wind or spirit of God that God breathed into Adam. And if it's the same spirit and wind of God that God breathed into Adam, that means that same breath that you take from day to day, that means that same breath that you use that sustains your life from day to day is the same breath that God breathed into Adam to give him life. So every time you get discouraged, you need to take a breath. Every time you get frustrated, you need to take a breath. Because with each breath you're taking, you're reminded of the circulation of the Holy Spirit from your nostrils through your, to your esophagus to your body and coming outward again and just cycling back and forth so that you can have the Spirit of God in you. Brothers and sisters, if you don't have breath, guess what? You don't have life. If you're put underwater and you drown, guess what? It's because you didn't have oxygen. So that goes to show you the spirit of God isn't just something that's metaphoric in the text. The spirit of God is indwelling in you with every breath you take. Amen. Therefore, you can have peace with every breath you take. What's well, something interesting about boxers and fighters, you see them in the ring and, and, and when they're fighting, you hear them making little noises. It sounds like whispering. They're like, psst. With, with, with each punch, they go, and it sounds like they're making a whispering noise, but brothers and sisters, they're breathing in because they realize, and what, what, what the trainers realize, that sometimes during a fight, you can find yourself holding your breath. And when you hold your breath, guess what? Your muscles aren't getting oxygen. Guess what? Your brain isn't getting oxygen, so you're not thinking clear. And so they realize that when a boxer is fighting, he needs to take little short breaths so that his mind can think clearly, so that his or her muscles can move freely. And brothers and sisters, what that teaches us is when we're in the frustration of the world, when we're weighed down by the pressures of life, sometimes all you need to do is what? Take a deep breath. Take time to hold it in, and guess what? Let it out. Take a deep breath. Breathe in with the Holy Spirit. Let it out. Take a deep breath. Brothers and sisters, this peace can be found in every breath you take. Amen. That's why the word tells us that he has not given us a spirit of fear, but of power, love, and a sound mind. And you can't have a sound mind if you're not breathing because your oxygen is not getting, your brain's not getting oxygen. You can't have a sound mind if you're holding your breath or if you're just reactionary, reacting off everything that comes your way, just reacting and fighting everybody that has something to say. No, you need to be in a state of peace. That's why the text tells us, just in case you forgot, peace I leave with you. My peace I give you. I do not give to you as the world gives you. Do not let your hearts be troubled and do not be afraid. Brothers and sisters, to fight this war on peace, Jesus is telling us he has left us some ammunition. Amen. 
And this ammunition is in the form of the Holy Spirit. And with this ammunition, Jesus has commanded us not to be troubled or afraid. These are the two things that destroy peace. These are the two things that stop us from being able to connect with the Holy Spirit to combat peace. Brothers and sisters, the text says in John chapter 21 at the end of 27, it says, don't let your hearts be troubled. And what Jesus is trying to teach you is that fear is the enemy of peace. That trouble is the enemy of peace. But what's ironic about this is regardless of what's happening in your life, if you can get that emotion under control, if you can get your fears under control, you can be in a state of peace. And I hope you understand from this lesson that that state of peace doesn't come from external factors. It only comes from within. Brothers and sisters, this advocate and helper is the answer for perfect peace in a war on peace. That means it doesn't ha- matter what happens with your car. Doesn't matter what happens on your job. Doesn't matter what happens in your house or with your family, with your health or finances. You can be in a state of perfect peace by connecting to the Holy Spirit. Brothers and sisters, we serve a God who in his glory, the psalmist tells us neither slumbers nor sleeps. In fact, Psalms 121 says, I lift my eyes to the hills. Where does my help come from? The text says, my help comes from the Lord, the maker of heaven and earth. He will not let your foot slip. He who watches over you will not slumber. Indeed, he who watches over Israel will neither slumber nor sleep. The Lord watches over you. The Lord is your shade at your right hand. The sun will not harm you by day nor the moon by night. The Lord will keep you from all harm. He will watch over your life. The Lord will watch over your coming and your going now and forevermore. Brothers and sisters, this means you can have perfect peace because the Lord is a provider. You can have perfect peace. Because the Lord is a protector. You can have perfect peace because the Lord is a sustainer. You can have perfect peace because the Lord is a way maker. You can have perfect peace because the Lord is a comforter. You can have perfect peace because the Lord is a doctor. You can have perfect peace because the Lord is an employer. You can have perfect peace because the Lord is an accountant. You can have perfect peace because the Lord is a carpenter. You can have perfect peace because the Lord is a mechanic. You can have perfect peace because the Holy Spirit is your ammunition against the war on peace. You must must believe that the peace Jesus left us and the peace that Jesus gave to us, he did not give it as the world gives. Therefore, our hearts should not be troubled and we should not be afraid. Brothers and sisters, at this time, if you're searching for a relationship with God, if you're tired of being in a place where you don't have internal peace, I ask you to take this time to ask yourself if you want to transform and have a change in your life different from what you've been doing before. See, oftentimes we naturally search for peace in things, in people, in substances, 
trying to travel and go all over the world to find peace in other places. And I'm not saying it's not good for you to get out of the routine of life. But guess what those things are? Those are temporary fixes. That just pacifies you for the moment. People can make you feel good for the moment, but guess what? They'll let you down. That money can make you feel comfortable for a moment, but guess what? At some point, that won't be enough. Those drugs that you may do, the alcohol, all of those things, they make you, may make you feel good in the moment, but guess what? It won't sustain you. And brothers and sisters, what I'm offering you now with this time is the opportunity to have a relationship with God that will keep you in a state of perfect peace. All you have to do is confess with your mouth and believe in your heart that Jesus is Lord. And the reason this is symbolic and the centerpiece of our faith is because it's through Jesus' sacrifice that he left his Holy Spirit and atoned for our sins all in one so that we don't have to carry that burden of sin, but he carried it and took it to the cross. And I pray if there's anybody on the other end of the screen on our virtual platform or anybody here among us that wants to have that relationship with God, First, let God know that you want to be in a state of peace. And then from doing that, give him your heart and give him your life. Brothers and sisters, I thank you for joining us at this time. And I thank you for watching us here at New Morning Light Baptist Church. To end this sermon, I just want to remind you, and I'm going to substitute joy with peace. Here we go. We're going to say it again at the end of the overall broadcast, but I want you to say it with me using the word peace. Those that are inside and those that are watching on the screen. Here we go. The joy. I'm sorry. The peace I have. Here we go. Let's get it right. The first time. The peace I have. The world didn't give it to me and the world can't take it away. I'm thankful what God has done for what God is doing and what God will do. Amen. 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 And may God bless and keep you. And keep